sort of preface, uh, preface this a little bit. Um, see guys, this, like I said earlier, this was going to be the kind of the last Sunday before, um, before LSU starts and we'll, we'll see some, we'll make some new friends in the next couple of weeks, next couple of months. Um, a lot of you remember a time when, uh, when we were we were praying that God would send college students to us, and we were praying that um, not only would they come come to our church service, but they would become integrated into the into the life of the community, that they would become a part of who we are. And uh, many of you now know what it's like uh, to to be in the place where you're like I just can't imagine the ring without these college students being a part of it. You know, it just doesn't it just doesn't compute. You know. Um, there are more of those kinds of people on the way. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going we're gonna to have those first encounters with some folks who are going to become a part of our family, uh, which, is, which is awesome. And they might be freshmen, they might be seniors, they might be grad students, we don't know. Uh, they, they, they could be families that will show up, who knows. But the fall tends to be a pretty big time for, for uh, churches in general, and especially one that's located on the campus. I mean, we're just, we're just going to see a lot of traffic and stuff. And so, um, in praying about, okay, God, what, what should we talk about on that, kind of that last Sunday before, you know, there's just some changes that have come. And, um, and I have had a lot of conversations with people in the last couple of months, and, uh, and often this one story has come, up, come to mind, and it's not, uh, I'm not going to tell a long version of the story. Uh, I may get into it more next week. We'll see. Uh, but... My um, my freshman sophomore years of high school, uh, I was I played on the basketball team, which is not no surprise given how tall and quick, agile, athletic, intimidating all those things that you think of when you first look at me, uh, pretty much just screams uh, basketball, right? Um, and I I don't know I don't know how or why I still uh, am convinced that the only reason I was on the team was to help out the overall team GPA. Um, and so, uh, anyway, more about that maybe next week, maybe. Uh, year, years later, I only played those first two years, and several years later, I realized something about, um, about my time on that team, and I think that it, uh, I, I learned a lot from it. And a lot of conversations I've had with different people um, have brought this back to mind, and, and so I just think it's good to share it. Um, I realized several years later that my like the the driving like motivation the the primary thing that um, kept me on that team um, as far as like the thing that didn't keep me from quitting uh, was the fact that I liked being on the team. I just I liked it. Now, granted, freshman basketball in uh, at Central High School not a lot of perks. Okay, but uh, the few perks that were there, I liked them. That was enough for me. I liked being on the team. And because that was my only motivation was I liked being on the team, that uh, determined 
how I was involved and how I contributed to being on the team. All right, so here's, here, here's some examples, okay? Because I only liked being on the team, and, and I, didn't, it wasn't, I didn't love the game. I didn't want to improve. I didn't want to win district. I didn't want a letter. I, didn't want to, I wasn't trying to please my coach. I wasn't trying to please my dad. I wasn't trying, that's not what it was about. I just liked being on the team. That, that determined how I was involved. So um, that determined how, uh, how, how I worked in practice, which was like bare minimum, you know. Because I was like, I made it through tryouts, you know, I made it through all the cuts, so I'm on the team, so I can just not do something to get kicked off the team, I'll be okay. So I worked just hard enough to not get kicked off. Just enough to be kind of under the radar, kind of, you know, whatever. Just, just hard enough. Um, it determined how hard I worked outside of practice at the things that I was terrible at, which was I didn't work at all at them. So you had guys who were, they would stay in after practice. They were going home and working on, you know, like being able to do the same things with both hands equally and not just their dominant hand. And you had guys working on free throws, working on stuff. Not me, dude. When practice was over, I was going home. I didn't want to see a basketball. I didn't want to watch it on TV. I didn't want to talk about it. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, just, that, I was not going to put any outside work into it. Um, because all I wanted to do is be on the team. I didn't, I didn't care if I got any better. Um, it determined how much uh, I wanted to like get into the games, like to actually play. Which was I was fine not playing. I was fine. My my worst nightmare was us being up by like thirty points. <laughs> like I uh, I wanted to keep it close. Um, because why why would I want to get into the game? Where there's like all these dudes that are so much better than me going into the game, and they're doing fine. They're doing fine, you know. Why would I want to go in when they're better than I am? You know, um, it determined uh, it determined how much ownership I had over like the team wins and losses. All right. So uh, if the team like if we won, we won, right? We're like, man, we beat Zachary like a drum last night, which we did. I'm just kidding. It was we. It was very, you know, it's, it's people are like the LSU too, like, oh, man, we totally killed whoever. It's like, you, I don't think you were out there. I'm pretty sure that you were not on the field. Um, I was very, very, like, inclusive when there was a victory, but I was very, I was real quick to blame when we lost, Right? I was like, well, if Lil Red, only, if he could only shoot free throws, man, we'd have won that game. It's his fault. So the victories were us. The losses were them. Either way, I wasn't contributing either, to either of them. That's what I mean when I say, like, my motivation, I just liked being on the team. And as long as I could just be on the team, I didn't want to do anything else but just be on that team. I see that attitude a lot in churches today. Tons and tons of churches are filled with these people who they love the church that they go to. Love it. And all they really want to do is they want to be a part of a church that they love. And that's it. That's their primary motivation. And, from, and that determines how involved or uninvolved they are. And when that is what is, that's your primary deal that's out there, um, you just like being a part of the church, uh, you are not involved in the way that 
Jesus calls us to be involved with his bride. You're not. Just like me on that team. I was on the team, but I was not involved in the team. So I was a name on a roster. I was in a picture uh, in the yearbook. My name was on the thing in the gym. But I wasn't on the team. And for churches to be filled with people who are all about the church they go to but not contribute, that is, that is just one of the, I think one of the greatest um, methods of deception that exists out there for Christians. There's people filling up pews or filling up chairs or whatever, whatever it looks like in, in all these given places, filled with people who, are, who have convinced themselves that they are a part of the victories that are going on and all the good things, and they've convinced themselves that they are not a part of the negative things that are going on. They're completely deceived into thinking that they're actually involved in what's going on when the truth is they're just sitting there. A lot of churches that are like that. There are times when people in this church are like that. There are times when I am like that. I'm not here to like bash any other churches or try to give weird examples. I'm not here to bash this church. I'm here to say we cannot, we cannot allow that for each other. We cannot be that kind of community that allows that to happen. We have to love each other enough to push each other into the depths of what it means to be a part of the bride of Christ. This ain't ninth grade basketball. This is Jesus' wife that he purchased with his blood, that he might sanctify her, the washing of water with the word, that he might present her to himself, a pure and perfect bride, holy and without blemish. That's, that's what we're talking about. We're dealing with something that's so important that we, we cannot allow that junk to creep in. And so I'm not at all here like trying to beat down the ring. I'm not trying to beat down uh, like my own like struggles with things. I'm here to be confessional and say I, I understand that. Sometimes I slip into that where, where I, I'm, the, I'm that way too. I feel like there are times when we are that way. And there are times when we are not that way. And you probably already in your mind kind of have pegged yourself a little bit. Saying like, yeah, I, 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 I can understand that. I can understand that. And so and with, and with all love and with all like just humility and everything, that's why I, I feel like the Lord has this for us tonight. Is let's, let's hit the sync button. Let's all get together on the same page about some things. Because I, I feel like, um, and, I, and I, I, can, I can speak on behalf of the elders, I feel like we're on the cusp of some pretty amazing things as a church. Um, you know we've been praying about another place to meet. Uh, you know that like we're getting, this, this space is getting smaller. Our nurseries are getting smaller. Uh, God is bringing us into more and more areas of ministry that are confusing and awesome and like out of our comfort zone and and whatever, um, there's just there's so much that's there. I, I really feel like we are on the cusp. Um, we cannot we cannot afford to sit around and just be like I was. We have to dive deeply into the things um, that He has for us as the church and as this church. And so, um, what I, what I want us to do tonight is to return to uh, like a fundamental place for us, and I want us to. I want us all to just kind of make this covenant agreement together. We'll listen, we'll listen in this way. Um, that we will, we will let the Lord encourage us and not become prideful. We'll let Him say, we'll let Him encourage us individually and corporately 
You know, that you'll let him speak into your life and say, this, you, you've, done, look, look, you've come so far in this. Your sanctification is so clear in this area of what it means to be a part of the, of the church. You're, you're, you're doing awesome. Uh, the church is doing awesome. We need to let him do that individually, but not become prideful about it. We need to let him uh, challenge us and stretch us. We need to, to let him say, hey, I want to grow you in this. And our response is like, I don't really know if I can do that. And his response is, no, you can't. But we're talking about me here. I, I can do this. Let me challenge you in that. We need to let him do that without intimidating us. We need to let him convict us. We need to let him put his finger on, on some areas of, of our hearts individually and corporately and let him mash on those things and let him say, you have been disobedient in this. We let him do that without it becoming guilt. Because when he does that, he doesn't just like hold the finger down there, you know, and just let you be miserable and miserable, or whatever. He's, he, once you're broken, he's like, now let me fix it. Let's turn it around. Let's repent and go the other way with it. Uh, so we need, we, need to, we need to let him tend to us in all those ways. So that's going to hit this room, everybody differently, and all the things that we, that we talk about in the next few minutes. Um, we, we need to let that happen. And we need to have the guts to be able to walk out of here tonight refusing to just, to just be like, man, I really love the ring. Uh, I just like being a part of the ring, but I don't want to contribute. You know? So let me, let me pray for us. We're going to look at one verse. Uh, I'm going to go quickly, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be awesome. Okay? Not me. It. Yeah, okay. Uh, Jesus, we, um, we clearly don't want to, we don't want to be, we don't want to be those people. We don't want to be the people who um, are just, are all about something that we don't contribute to. And I'm sure that over the things we talk about, we're, we're all going to need to be encouraged and we're all going to need to be challenged. We're all going to need to be convicted. Um, I just I pray that you would do whatever it is you want to do with us. Um, that, and that we would listen with our spirit and not with our flesh. That we wouldn't become prideful with encouragement or feel guilty over conviction. That we would hear these things correctly. Because um, we want, man, we want to be obedient to you. We want to be, we want to be that church that's constantly being sanctified and renewed we want we want to to be holy we want to look like you we want you we want to be that bride that you're you just can't wait to show off to the world um, but that means we're always always in process always letting you do work on us and in us so we ask you to do that in these few minutes um, we love you and we pray this in your name amen let's go to acts chapter two we're putting uh, things together to do this church plant um we went to this verse, and uh, there's a couple of things that we were trying to figure out uh, as far as like what makes a church a church. And we really came down to the fact that, that churches, what makes a, a church a church is that, that you're unified. It's about the most important things, you're unified in, in who you are and how you're going to live and how you're going to accomplish the things He has set before you. And you're, you're in agreement about how you're going to interact with each other and how you're going to interact with the Lord. And so we try to put together... Uh, as best we could, like a snapshot of what we thought the New Testament was was showing us, and uh, just l- let the Lord shape that or whatever. And so this verse, Acts two forty two, we're like, okay, um, the Bible is super huge. 
And so we can't just say, oh, we're going to devote ourselves to um, like everything that the Bible says, because that, while we should do that, obviously, um, we're talking about putting something on paper. We can't just put that on paper. You know? like, that's a bit much. So the Lord brought us here, and he's like, hey, how about this? This works uh, super well for them. They devoted themselves to these four things. So we looked at that, and we're like, man, if, if the, like, the first church devoted themselves to these things, and to see the kind of ministry that came out of that, and the kind of fruit that was produced, and the people that came to know him, and the church plants that came out of there, and how rapidly the church grew, like, okay, that's, that's, we, we would do well. It would behoove us to uh, pattern ourselves in the same way. And so Acts 2.42 became a, a very like, formational verse for us. And so let's read it. Very simple. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That one verse. Now, I'm sure you've, if you've been around church for a while, you've read the rest of it and all the ministry that came out of that and everything. Um, but you want to trace it back down to the root of where all those incredible blessings and all that fruit and all that stuff came from. It came down to, obviously, to being devoted to these simple things. Um, so let's talk about those four things. Uh, being devoted to the apostles' teaching. Obviously, they didn't, they didn't have Bibles bound in leather with their names stamped on them like we do. Um, the apostles were teaching basically just repeating the things that they had heard Jesus teach and what the things that he had, they watched him model and all the ways that he had, had equipped them and served them. And they were, just, they were just repeating these things. They were passing on the things that he taught. Oftentimes, the things that he taught were, were deeper explanations and clarifications of the Old Testament scriptures. You know? And so, so you had the first five books of the Bible that were very much a part of, of their, um, their time. You had uh, the Psalms were very much a part of things, a lot of wisdom literature and stuff. Uh, but a lot of what the apostles were teaching were saying, Jesus said, do this. Jesus said, be this way. Remember that time when Jesus did this thing and it was awesome? Yeah, we should, we should do that. And so that's what, what would happen. The church would gather together and the apostles, like the disciples who had followed him along, who now had this authority that had been given to them, they began to teach. And it wasn't... This, this isn't saying that people should devote themselves... To, like We're not saying like you should take, take your Bible... You should elevate it and like force it into the Trinity to where it's like right up there with them. But it means to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. It means to not only be a hearer of the word, but to be a doer of the word, like James says. So you're not sitting around memorizing Shakespeare or whatever. You're taking this teaching and you're putting it into your life. You're obeying what it says. And so if if you want if you want to if you want to be a part of the church you're not you're not going to do that you're not going to contribute to the life of the capital C church or contribute to the life of the ring community church if you're living a life apart from what's laid out in God's word cuz here we are we have we have the bible and every Sunday night, we get into it together. And every time we have a community group, we open that up and we get into it. And we've talked many times about when, when we're in conversations with each other and we're counseling each other through things and we're discipling each other, that it's the principles of God's Word that are being applied. What does God, 
What does the Bible say about this? How did Jesus handle this? What, how, what guidance do we have from the tangible word that we're holding on to? And so, if you are um, being a part of this church, and that, uh, that does not involve the Word of God, not only studying it, memorizing it, figuring out what it says, but if you're not implementing that, then, then you are missing out on what it means to be a part of His, of his bride. That's, it's, it's truth. It's useful for teaching, for correcting, for warning, for encouraging. It's useful. I know that there are some people who would say, well, I mean, I would love to be in the Word on my own, but I'm not sure where to start. If you are a brand new Christian, I I get that. We want to help you figure that out. If you've been a part of this church for a while... That excuse went out the window a long time ago. Because what we do on Sunday nights and what you do in community group, it's the same thing. You just open the Bible and you read it and you think about it. You ask the Lord, what, is this, what does this say? What does it have to do with me? I don't understand this. And you, like He opens it up. And if you don't know where to go, then you find somebody who does. You sit down and be like, hey, I know this, this feels weird to say this, but uh, can you just like, help me out? I'm not really sure like, where to start. I don't know where to turn. I don't know how to. I don't know how, how much to read at one time. And I got this Bible reading plan, and it has me reading like twenty seven chapters a day. And I don't have time to do that. And I'm, my advice would be like, don't do that. Read one verse at a time. Read a phrase at a time. Take a word and just sit there and be like, I, I don't really under. Let, let me just sit here and let me let me think about what forgiveness means. I'm see like devote yourself to the apostles teaching devote yourself to the scriptures but we can't just get together and read this man that was a very interesting discussion that was really good and we never implement it that's what gets us into trouble that's what helps that's what slips us back into that mindset that's what it looks like to just be a part of the team but not be contributing to what's going on is when you're not figuring out how do i fit this into my life how do I walk in this kind of freedom? How do, I, how, do I, how do I get there? We devote ourselves to it. If it is not a part of your life, on your um, outside of Sundays and community group, it's not like your daily life, a part of your life, it's, it has to be. But here's the thing. I'm not putting that on you. I'm putting that on us. We have to help each other figure out how to do that. You're not in this by yourself. I'm not in this by myself. Let's help each other figure it out. Let's not sit there and let each let and like let's not like that was one of the things I was thinking about is like in this basketball thing I got really frustrated. I was like, why didn't my coach like call me into his office and go like totally Friday night lights like Coach Eric Taylor on me, you know, and sit me down and be like, son, what is wrong with you? Why don't you work? Why don't you care? I'd probably bust it out crying. But I wish you would have done that. We have to love each other enough to be willing to do that. Say, hey, what's going on? What's, what's your deal? What's going on with you? I don't... We have to be humble enough to say, hey, I need some help with this. I don't really know what this looks like. Voted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The second one, uh, we just leave that verse up there if you want to. Um, 
They devoted themselves to the fellowship. Not to fellowship. They weren't devoted to like hanging out. Now they did hang out. But that's not what this is saying. They were, they were devoted to, to one another as, as the church body. This is one of those things that, that I feel like we do really well. Um, maybe sometimes to a fault. Because we, like, we have, have progressively over the years gotten better and better about being in each other's lives. And so much of that uh, comes down to community groups. And so much of that, um, so much of the high fives need to go back to, to Meg and all the community group leaders and all, the, all that they put in to discussions and hangouts and, like, and diving into people's lives. I mean, that, I feel like that, that God has just done a tremendous work in our community in that sense. And sometimes people come into our community and they're like, man, you, you guys like know each other. Like it's kind of weird, but I mean, kind of cool, but like y'all, it, this isn't, I walk in the, the building and then I walk out on Sunday and nobody talks to me, you know. But then there are, are people who walk in here and you feel like, you feel like the weirdo, you know, who walked into some secret club meeting. Because sometimes what, what we feel like is our greatest strength is it turns out to be a pretty big weakness. Because we're all about each other so much that we tend to exclude people who are coming for the first time and all that. And so when I, when I think about um, being devoted to the fellowship, the, the concept of generosity just, just kept coming back to me over and over again. Just being, being generous. Being holistically generous. Like every part of us, every part of... Um, of how we interact with each other, being generous in those things. That's what it means to be devoted to the fellowship. Is that you're not stingy with your time, you're not stingy with your money, you're not stingy with hospitality, you're not, you're not always like, like, we don't want anybody else, we don't want anybody else. That there's this, there's this open, open arms attitude all the time. So what, what do, what do we need to do? Come, come in. We're glad, that, we're glad that you're here. I want to be generous with my time. So if, I, if somebody needs me to help them out, I want to be able to, to do that if, if, if it works out. You know? If somebody needs something, if somebody needs financial help, if somebody needs a meal, if somebody needs uh, help moving apartments, if, if whatever, like I want to be generous with that. But generosity also applies to hospitality when people come in for the first time. And they show up. We talked about this before. Hospitality means you, you take someone who is a stranger in the sense that, that they don't have that sense of belonging yet because they're in a, a new place. Um, and you take that person who doesn't have a sense of belonging and you treat them just like family. That's what hospitality is. That's what Jesus did to us because we were strangers. We were far off. We were the ones who offended him. And he brings us in and treats us like family. And so, like literally, when like next Sunday, when new faces walk in here, we have the opportunity to welcome them like a picture of the gospel, or we can shun them in a way that is the opposite of the gospel. And so we can be generous with our hospitality, or we can be very stingy with our hospitality. So if you want to be devoted to this fellowship, and it means not only being devoted to each other, it means devoted to anybody that walks through those doors. 
It's been something that the Lord has just driven into my heart. Not that I'm good at it, but he's driven it in there saying, you, you guys have got to be faithful with anybody that comes in that door. No matter what they look like, no matter where, where they're from, no matter what, what sort of things they're battling, no, no matter what they've been through, without exception, whoever I bring through those doors, you've got to be faithful with them. And the thing is, six people can't do that. The seven elders can't do that. The 16 community group leaders can't do that. It's, everybody's got to be a part of that. You can't be like me when I was playing freshman ball and I was like, no, let them go in. They're way, those guys are way better, way better than me anyway. Just let them go do that. Yay, the ring. That's not how it works. We can't sit there and say, yay, let them, let them go down to the levee. Let them go and uh, like hang out with our friends from Mason Day and me. Uh, let them go and, and, and meet this need and that need. Let them go to on this trip. Let them go do this, 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 and this. Um, and I'll just cheer everybody on from down the bench. And I'll claim all the wins for me. Be like, man, I go to the best church ever. And then all the losses, I'll pass that off and be like, yeah, well, the ring has some huge issues. That's not, that's not who you want to be. But let's face it, that's sometimes how we are. And I'm not saying everybody has to be involved in everything all the time. You know that's not true. We just, we just want obedience from everybody. We can't fall into that trap of just being okay, being on the team. That's not being devoted to the fellowship. That's not being a part of the bride that Jesus died for. That's not what it's about. What that means is you have to ask Jesus, what, okay, so in my devotion to the fellowship, how am I doing? Ask him to do this thing. Ask him, will you encourage me in something? Will you challenge me in something? Will you convict me about something? They devoted themselves to each other. If you want to be a part of this church, we're going to push you to do that. If you've been to our membership class and seen our covenant, it's no joke. And we're, it's not oppressive. We don't hold it over your head, you know. We don't chase you down by, you hadn't tied in you know, seven months and you said that you would as a covenant member. So we don't do that. We just encourage each other, love each other, and challenge each other. Let's be devoted to each other. Next thing, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. This literally means that, that when they got together, they took communion. Jesus said, uh, you know, when he took them through uh, the Last Supper and everything, he said, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so every time they got together, they're like, Jesus said to do this. So they would take communion together. And when we take communion, the last time we did it on a Sunday night, kind of brought out this, that there's, there's a part of approaching the communion table is, is us saying, I, I need your grace. And then it's us re- receiving his grace. But there's that acknowledgement that we need it. And there's the the act of receiving it, knowing that what we need, we receive from Him. And I think that every time they got together, 
they probably learned a little bit more by going through that communion table about what it means to be saved by grace through faith. I think to be devoted to the breaking of bread is to be devoted in, in the sense that we, we never lose sight of the fact that we don't earn any of it. That we don't, it's not that we've worked really hard and we've been really good and so Jesus has saved us. It's not that we had, you know, nine uh, prayer times not for nine mornings in a row and so now He's going to like bless you with a raise. Talked about uh, from the good and beautiful God that God is not sitting on a chair that just swivels where He's facing you as long as you're doing good. He's like smiling at you, whatever. And as soon as you mess up, he, the chair swivels and He turns His back on you until you start behaving the right way. And then He's like, okay, and He turns back around. I think that being devoted to the breaking of bread is living a life that, that doesn't lose sight of the fact that it's unmerited favor coming our way. That it's not behavior modification that we're going for. That even this entire message is not about trying to get everybody to, to act right. Encourage you in the ways that you're acting well and challenge you and convict you in the ways that you're not acting well. It's not about how we act and how we, we behave. It's about this God who brings this unmerited favor our way. and it's, it, just, it just never stops. It's, it's, it's always there. It's always there. And our response to that is, man, I just, I just want to obey. I just want to please that God who is not on that swivel chair. That He's in, like He's on that throne. It's stationary. It's looking at me. It's not changing. I just, I want to make Him happy. I want, I want to honor Him. I want, I just, I love Him. I want that kind of of life. That's what it means to be devoted to the breaking of bread. Is realizing that when Jesus said it is finished, it was finished. It's done. That now there's there's freedom, there's new identity, there's all there's just it's abundant life for us. And so we as a church, we have said we, we want to devote ourselves to living that way to, together, to to refusing to let each other believe lies and stupid things that aren't true. We we wanna be we wanna be alive together. And so to be a part of this church means that we're, we're not going to let each other believe stuff that's not true. We're not going to put up with that from each other. And some people hate that. They don't want to be, quote-unquote, called out about something. They don't want somebody to point out the fact that like, you built your whole you know, understanding of reality on something that's false. People don't, they don't want that. They don't, and what we've said is, no, we're going to be a kind of church that welcomes that. Say, you see something in my life needs to change? You see me living on a lie? You see me trying to earn the grace of God? You tell me. Because that's not being devoted to the breaking of bread. That's not being devoted to what Jesus did on the cross. That's, that's missing it. We devote ourselves to it. And when we devote ourselves to that, it changes the way we're devoted to the fellowship. It changes the way that we're, that we're devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the Word of God. It changes the, last, it changes the way that we pray. Because that's the thing, go back to my, my deal about playing basketball. If I, if I just loved the game of basketball, I wouldn't have had all those other issues. If I was like, man, I, just, I, I love the sport. It's been totally different. 
But I wasn't, I love the sport. I, was, I love the team. Different. The last one. They devoted themselves to, to the prayers. Prayer, um, the, simple, the simple act of, uh, well, John Piper says it like this. And uh, I think this is a very freeing idea. And so if you hate Piper, just pretend I said C.S. Lewis or, I don't know, whoever. Gandalf. Gandalf said this. Uh, find somebody else. But Piper said this. He said, you know, prayer is not, prayer is not I talk to God, God talks back to me. And that's a lot of times I think what keeps people praying is because you're like, you feel like you're just you're speaking into nothingness. You know, because you you're like, I pray, but I don't hear God back. And so if it's supposed to be this dialogue, and then, then they're just, it's just too one-sided, and I get frustrated, and I want to pray. Piper says, okay, biblically, prayer is not, is not this back and forth. Prayer is us to God. And if God communicates to us, that's, that's revelation. Those are two different things. So, so our job is we're just, we, we pray. His definition, he says, prayer is intentionally conveying a message to God. In, intentionally letting God know something. I, I need you, I trust you, I need help with this, I'm grateful for this, I trust you with this, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what to do here, I feel this way, but I know it's not true. It's just, you're just letting God know that, you're just letting Him know it, letting Him know it. And it's just the, the confidence in knowing that He is there and He is listening. And He will respond when He wants to. Our job is to just keep conveying those things. And his job is to be God. And it takes so much humility on our part to say, God, I, I need you in this. I cannot make this decision by myself. They were devoted to the prayers. Um, some, some say that they're like, they're, well, here's what it really comes down to, is that um, in Jewish culture, they don't pray like you and I do. They don't like make them up and pray about different things. They pray the scriptures. And their deal is like, why, why would you make up words? Do you think your words are better than God's words? Tough to argue that, but, you know. So they were devoted to that, but they were devoted to the prayers because there is a humility um, that comes into your life when you are confessing the fact that I, I can't do this. As awesome as I am, and as brilliant as I am, and as, as much as I have everything in life figured out, I need you in this. That's what you're saying. Sarcastically. Saying, Lord, I know I think I'm great, but I'm not. I need you in it. I'm dependent on it. I, it terrifies me to think that we'll be a church that doesn't pray. It terrifies me to think that, that we would have um, an elder board who doesn't pray. That we would have community group leaders that don't pray. That we as a church, just we don't pray. We don't think that we need Him. We don't involve Him in anything. We, we just kind of hope everything works out okay. Um, we pray when we're in a jam, but other than that, it's just not a part of life. It's not something we're devoted to. Um, that will... You want to talk about the wheels come off. That will keep us as deceived as anything else. We will be those people filling up a church and thinking everything is awesome. If we are prayerless, we're going to miss it. If you are prayerless, you are missing it. If I am prayerless, I am missing it. We cannot let each other be prayerless. 
we have to be devoted to prayer. We have to keep each other devoted to, to prayer. Do not be afraid when someone's like, hey, hey, let me get your take on something. I kind of make this decision whenever. Do not be afraid to your first thing be like, well, when you pray about it, what are you, what are you sensing from the Lord? And if they get awkward, okay. You've entered into a covenant that says we're going to be okay with awkward. We're going to be okay with kind of stammering around and we're going to be okay with times when we aren't really sure what to do and we're going to be okay with that. Because we've devoted ourselves to some things. And while we each bring some individual responsibility into those realms, it's also something that, that lands on us as a community to help each other through it. And so we have to, we have to ask the Lord um, to show us how to navigate our way through those things. And I think those three things are, are beneficial for us. I think that if, if you... If you don't want to be a part of this church and a part of the big church, if you don't want to be um, a child of God who's just content with just being, just getting into heaven, just being a, a part of a church that you like, if you don't want to be like I was in ninth grade basketball, my, I think that you take this verse, you go with those four different things, and you spend time um, in the next couple of days, in the next weeks, uh, whatever, go through those four things and you ask the Lord, Lord, will you encourage me and show me what I'm doing well? Challenge me to do something that's outside of what I really want to do. And you just break me about something. And he will do all three. And what will be truly phenomenal is if we all do that individually, and then we begin to talk to each other about that. That we bring that to our community groups. In fact, we might do that the first week back of community group. I just thought about it. Would y'all be okay with that? Would that be weird? All right, it's on. <laughs> that was so affirming. Everybody's like, "Yes." I was like, "No, we don't want to sit there and do that." But, but we know we need to. We know we need to. They devoted themselves to those things. We, as a church, have said we're going to devote ourselves to these things. None of us. None of us wants to be that church that's just treading water. And when there's so much, there's so many good things happening, it's real easy to like kind of kick back and be like, yeah, man, things are growing, things are going fine. Um, as a ninth and 10th grader on the basketball team, I thought things were fine too. And years later, the Lord was like, you didn't have a clue, did you? Nope. And He used that experience to basically to pull a coach, Eric Taylor, and look me in the eye and say, you're doing the same thing in your walk with me. And that was the first domino in a series of dominoes that basically got me doing what I'm doing now. And so, I don't want to be that way. But I see it creeping in. And I need your help. And I want to help you. And we need to help each other. But something has to come alive in us. Like there, there, just, there has to be something in us that just clicks. And I don't know, I don't know what it is for you. I really don't. But I, I hope it's there. Um, I'm excited about whatever, whatever we're we're going. 
And like I know I said we're looking for a place to move. We're not going anywhere that we know of. And so we're here. This is our, our space. We commandeer it. We take it over. But I, th- I think God wants to do some amazing things among us. He's not going to do amazing things if we're not fully engaged in what He has for His church. So let's do what we've said we're going to do. Let's be who we know that Jesus created us and died for us to be. Um, let's pray. God, um, I'm grateful for this this verse, and um, it certainly meant a lot to uh, to our church and just the way that you've used it just to form it and shape some important convictions and understandings in us. And uh, God, I pray that you would that you would use it. I'm certainly not not trying to make the basketball analogy like more than it's supposed to be, but um, we don't want to be content with just being a part of a church and showing up. We want to be fully engaged. You didn't you didn't die for a church that's just complacent and lukewarm and treading water. You came that we would have life and have it abundantly. And so like I talked about in the beginning tonight, this, that this would be a time for us to sync up with each other. But above that, we, we would sync up with you and your heart for, um, for what our lives should look like. We know that in Acts 2, they didn't devote themselves to these things because they wanted a checklist of things to do. You led them, you led them to these concepts, these truths. You led them because I believe that you knew with these devotions that, that you knew that you would infuse those things and use them to transform and to change and to grow and to reach people. And that's what this is about. It's not about having a church that has a good reputation or has a building or has a certain number of people or a certain budget. It's about about reaching people. It's about people knowing who you are. This is too important. It's too important. Every second that passes, we get closer closer and closer to your return. And while we cannot wait for that, we anticipate that so greatly. Um, There's a lot to be done. And so as we spend these few moments just kind of sitting quietly before we stand to sing... Speak to us, Lord.